Hello and welcome to the next episode of a podcast where I interview art practitioners based in Birmingham. And today I'm hosting uh, Ali Grimes, who is an independent curator. Ali does lots of interesting things for in, in arts in Birmingham. So uh, I'm, I'm really, really grateful that you agreed to take part in, um, in my podcast. Thank and you. let's move Thank on you. to the questions. Could you uh, tell me a little bit more about yourself, about your background yeah, sure. as art practitioner? I know... I think you originally studied art, is yeah, that right? studied fine art, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I studied fine art in Birmingham, which is why I'm here, um, why I'm based here still. Um, I wanted to be an artist, although I wasn't quite sure where I was going to go with it afterwards. I just knew I wanted to study art and always had had. And um, when we graduated, um, I set up uh, a place called Strix with Carolina, who you interviewed in the last mm-hmm. uh, project and uh, in the last film. And we basically were looking for somewhere to uh, continue our art practice. So there were eight of us all together and uh, we were looking for a space to basically have an artist studio and set that up. And, uh, and we formed Strix kind of by accident. So we were, we were looking for a studio space, but then we all had particular different interests in what we wanted to do. Some of us wanted to put on exhibitions, some people wanted to do workshops and talks. And then before we knew it, we kind of had developed our own uh, programme. Uh, and we were programmed up to like the whole year, um, so then we kind of accidentally became this this organisation, but artist led, um, and that's kind of that was something that was always artist led. We weren't ever really funded; it was just something we did in our spare time. But it was kind of the foundation for my understanding of how to run a space in an organisation early on, having had no experience whatsoever. So coming straight out of uni and then uh, throwing ourselves in, into this this new project. Uh, and then we ran that for five years. Well, it's still running, actually. I, I was there for five years. Um, and that was always run alongside other jobs and things that I carried out. So mm-hmm. obviously you have to um, do other things to sustain that kind of uh, project. So I worked at Icon Gallery, which is where we met, I think. Yeah. Um, I worked at the National Trust, um, doing marketing and uh, for the North Warwickshire portfolio. Um, so I've always had an interest in architecture as well, and I think that was something that informed me working there. Um, and then I worked at Compton Verney uh, in the fundraising department. I almost forgot then because it's been a while. Um, and so that was really cool. So I've kind of always been based in arts organisations, but in different roles. So I think that's really helped form a really well-rounded experience of different things, particularly now for me being an independent curator, because those are all things that you have to do when you're an independent. You know, you have to kind of do things on your own. So because of the marketing experience, I kind of know how to brand something or I know when to post something. or, um, And then obviously the, the strict stuff kind of gave me that curatorial background as well. Um, I also studied uh, curating in Venice um, in 2015. So when, when I finished at Strix, um, I realised that I wanted to kind of formally study it because I kind of fell into it by accident. I realised I really enjoyed putting on exhibitions. Um, so why did you choose Venice to study? Um, bizarrely, I think someone sent me a link to this curatorial programme mm-hmm. and I was like, oh wow, this looks absolutely incredible. And it was during the 2015 Venice Biennale. It was the 56th Venice Biennale with Okwe and Wiza, mm-hmm. um, who, um, who was kind of over, overall director of the whole thing. And it was kind of 
combined with that, so we were there during the entirety of the Venice Biennale, which was an incredible experience. I was there too in that time. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We never. I Did we not see each other? No, I didn't think so. <laughs> So um, that really kind of blew my mind because it was the first time that, yeah, I, like, as I said, I formally opted to study curating and it was really re a really intense programme, it was about six months, um, but we based ourselves around the Biennale so we saw literally every single exhibition there. Right, so um, does Biennale uh, last for six months? So so seven months I think this one was, yeah. Uh -huh. yeah so yeah. does it mean you were there from the start? And yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I actually went to the opening with the Arts Council collection by complete coincidence beforehand and then the course started about a couple of weeks after that. So. So I got like a full experience of it, which was mm -hmm. amazing. Because of course with biennials, most people go for like two or three mm -hmm. days and it's kind of like a crash mm -hmm. course and you have to pick and choose. So did you um, organise an exhibition during the biennial? During the biennial? Actually we did. Um, I, I met a couple of people out there who were doing kind of fringe things, who were part of um, invigilation teams for other pavilions, that kind of thing. So we did it like really small mm -hmm. scale, but really kind of, um, kind of off the off the record but really amazing. So I met with artists and curators who are out there kind of my age doing the same kind of thing and we did loads of impromptu shows. There were people who were making little exhibitions on washing lines, there were people who were doing breakfast clubs and all different kinds of stuff. So that was kind of where I formed my basis of my international network I suppose mm -hmm. because everyone was there, you know, the world was there. So it was an amazing time to mm -hmm. meet people and and that was one of the things that kind of inspired my like carrying on working internationally, I guess, carrying on that international discourse. Right. So could you tell me a little bit more about Venice and sort of the uh, the behind the scenes of um, being at the Venice Biennial because I think that might be quite interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was amazing. We definitely got a bi uh, behind the scenes experience because um, the woman who led the course, which was called the School for Curatorial Studies Venice or Corso Curatori in Italian, um, she had loads of experience because she's obviously been based there for a really, really long time. Her name is Aurora Fonda and she uh, runs a gallery called Aplosa Gallery uh, in San Marco and that had previously been used many times as the Slovenian pavilion. Mm -hmm. So she curated that for many, many times. And um, But she also had this incredible network of different people. But also what was really great about it was that she also had amazing connections with local people as well, um, local um, gallery practitioners or people from, um, you know, um, basically just the massive Palazzo Grassi, all the big institutions, uh, Fondazione Prada, you know, so we got mm. we got a really thorough understanding of, of not just the international scene in the biennial, but also the the sort of more what's there when the biennial goes, which is, you know, what's what's left over, which is really interesting. Um, but yeah, but they, she also had really good connections with the uh, with the curators of the bi of the biennial as well. So we had a lot of very like uh, in depth tours with the curators of different pavilions, and um, yeah, it was really really amazing. So it was like a crash course. Yeah, it was a, it was a total crash course, mm -hmm. but it was it was amazing because every single day we choose a different pavilion to go and analyze. Mm. So we, there was about fifteen of us on the program, and everyone was also international, like really international, not just European, but people from Manila, people from. Oh, absolutely everywhere. China, um, Brazil, and, and they're still really good friends uh, to this day, which is amazing. And that was kind of something, I think, because it was such an intense time and everyone was kind of in this incredible bubble all together and sharing this amazing experience. I think that was something that really bonded everybody. And so actually since 
we've been working a lot together and, and doing other projects and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, so, so not only was the, the course international, but of course we were there during the Biennale and the whole thing was just like, it's absolutely amazing mm -hmm. experience. So you were here in Birmingham yeah. working at Compton Verney uh -huh. and then you decided to finish and throw yourself. Yeah. To so I was working at Compton Verney for about a year and a half, two years, mm -hmm. uh, in the fundraising team, um, which was an amazing experience and I absolutely loved it. Um, but I think this experience kind of came up, this opportunity came up to go and live in Italy and kind of who wouldn't want to do that, mm -hmm. you know. And um, I kind of just felt like I needed to throw myself out there and, and throw myself out of my comfort zone. And it was a little bit of a risk. It was a, it was a little bit of a risk, kind of leaving a full-time job mm -hmm. that's secure in the arts, which is, um, which is obviously quite hard to get sometimes. But, you know, if you don't take risks, you don't you don't progress necessarily so um yeah I definitely don't regret it and I think it was it was the right thing to do at the time but yeah it definitely taught me a lot 100% mm -hmm. yeah so what happened after after Venice mm -hmm. so after Venice I came home and was like mm. <laughs> oops what do I do now um not oops, but I guess it was exciting because I, I didn't know, I had no real plan. I kind of wanted to stay in Italy, but it was quite hard to do that without speaking the language. Actually, I'm learning Italian now because oh, I'd right. like to eventually yeah. move back. Yeah, you like it, you love yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I also felt like because the course was international, I didn't, I'm really big into languages and learning languages. And um, I felt like I was going to come home think like, you know, being nearly fluent or something. And I was really disappointed that I could barely say a few things. So, um, yeah, so anyway, I came back and um, I started to look for other jobs. I had various interviews at really great places, but I just kept getting just getting pipped to a, to a job. Um, and I kind of realised how competitive it actually mm -hmm. is. I mean, of course it's competitive, but I think because to be a curator is such a niche thing. I mean, yes, so there's lots of curators, but I was applying for curatorial positions initially because, you know, that's what I'd studied and that's what I was, I was really keen to put what I learned into practice. Mm. Um, so I was doing that for a while. I think it took me a couple of months to find something. And then by complete chance, really, um, I found out about this job in Birmingham, um, which is a, still a job I currently have, um, which is at Javelin Block which um, basically I, um, I assist with the restorations of historic buildings in the jewellery quarter and the gun quarter in Birmingham. So obviously, as you know, Birmingham's full of like amazing old industrial buildings and, um, and that's what we specialise in, in doing really. So, and in, in a way it kind of really links to the curatorial stuff because you're working with space, you're working with existing space, we're not building new things, we're, we're working within the confines of a building and to the configuration of a building and working out how to address that space. Um, so I think the two kind of really overlap. And then also at, uh, within this job, there's also an art collection that I look after, which has got about 150 original artworks. That seems so really exciting. That's really cool as well. So part of my job there is also managing that collection, um, which involves things like um, managing the tours of the exhibitions, sorry, of the artworks to international exhibitions uh, and managing loans, um, helping buying the artworks, selling the artworks and valuing them. So it's, it's, it's a completely different experience to what I've had before because I before this didn't have that much experience in commercial in the commercial sector at all um, I did a little bit um, in London as an intern like many years ago at Flowers Gallery but apart from that 
I didn't really have any knowledge about it at all. And I'd always worked for non-profits or, uh, you know, arts organisations that were artist-led or that kind of thing, or charities. Um, so it's it's a completely different experience. It's like the other end of the scale, um, but really, really interesting. Which is quite unusual for Birmingham. Really unusual. there aren't that many opportunities and there's for there. barely any collectors mm -hmm. at all. So that's something I'm really interested in as well, is kind of collecting as well. It's starting to you know when I work with artists within my independent projects is when we commission something I usually commission some of the artists to make something you know that then maybe forms part of a collection or that kind of thing so that because I think that's something that needs to happen more in Birmingham is to develop like a, a younger collector base yeah. even if it's small things uh, even if it's just at, at art fairs or whatever I think it's a really good thing to kind of encourage. And soon you are going to an art fair. Yeah, to in an art fair in Stockholm. Yeah, supermarket. Yeah. So, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, one? yeah. So that's um, we're going because uh, I was invited by Centrala to curate an exhibition called the Digital Diaspora, um, which is currently on at Centrala in Birmingham, and it's also on at Studio Forty Four in Stockholm. We opened that there two weeks ago, and we opened. So you opened the exhibition. Uh, in Stockholm, in Stockholm two already ago. two weeks oh, okay. ago and then in Birmingham four weeks ago but they're both mm -hmm. still on and um, they show the same and they're showing the artworks. same artwork the same exhibition mm -hmm. but just reconfigured differently mm -hmm. and the reason we're going to supermarket art fair is because it's on while the show's on at Stockholm in Stockholm so we're using it as an opportunity to promote the exhibition mm -hmm. that's on in Sweden so what is supermarket So supermarket, um, I think it's been going for quite a long time now. You were saying that you've been before, I think. Yeah, I've yeah, been yeah, in yeah. 2007. <laughs> in 2007, and so therefore it's been it's been going at least yeah about over 12 years now. Mm. Um, but it's I think it's Sweden's largest independent art fair, and I've never actually been before, um, but I know I've known about it, and I think it's there to kind of support international galleries but more uh, non-profit and arts organizations so we're there so you don't have to sell there uh, i think you can but i don't think that's the primary mm -hmm. reason although i should probably check that but no it's I, it's not a commercial that's not the primary reason mm -hmm. of, of the re you know for its existence but um but yeah so we're going there to promote the digital diaspora show that's on in stockholm while we're in stockholm and uh, we're programming different things it's happening uh, over the fourth Uh, to the 7th of April so it's on for four days so it's quite intense mm -hmm. and you yeah. will be there every day we'll be there every day yeah 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 um, and we're basically what we're trying to do is is present like a, a metaphorical like screenshot of the show that's on we don't want to replicate it but we want to activate it or, or notify people that it's there mm -hmm. so doing interesting things that link to the artists in the show um, so it will maybe be quite performative we might be doing um some print releases, limited print editions, and uh, every day kind of something interesting, to, a reason to come back to the stand. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're thinking of doing. So tell me a little bit more about your curatorial interest, because mm -hmm. I see this um, pattern that you are interested in digital, mm -hmm. and your, I think, last two exhibitions were about actually ability to show it whenever in the world, wherever mm -hmm. in the world, yeah. um, because of the digital because of the nature of, of it yeah could you tell me a little bit more about that yeah so basically that started because um going back to to venice um that that's kind of how it began is when i when i came back um i really wanted to kind of continue those connections with the people that i met and made and continue those really interesting uh conversations we've been having 
and I kind of thought how do I do that remotely when everybody lives here here and here and I thought well maybe a touring exhibition is the way forward to do that but then of course touring is super expensive to do and uh, but everyone had their own space so a lot of my peers on the course kind of had a space in Sweden or in Stockholm uh, sorry in Copenhagen or in Venice or and I thought well if we've already got the space can we do something that links those together um, uh, but how do we do that without it being really expensive to physically send artwork and so the idea was like okay well if it's just a digital show we can kind of bypass the physical transportation of the artwork so therefore I started to think about okay well if we just include digital artworks or artworks that are already in a digital form and then we send it through the internet and then it's downloaded and precipitated into each location so that's kind of where the idea came from and I called it short circuit because it was quite literally a short circuit around Europe because we kept it Europe wide to start oh. with and uh, but also because of the digital nature of it because things short circuit they go wrong um you know, when you when you turn on the exhibition the day before the actual opening, it's it's working perfectly. And then on the day of the opening, for no reason at all, things just aren't working. And, and that, but that is kind of embracing those faults. So I kind of called it short circuit for that reason as well, because it's kind of not welcoming, because it's not a welcome thing if it doesn't work. But it it's kind of um, acknowledging the fact that artwork you know in a digitized nature it does complicate things um so that's kind of where the idea started it wasn't necessarily the content or digital culture that, that i was as interested in it was more the way that the the artworks were actually able to migrate but then as things developed i started to get more interested in the digital nature of it and digital culture and i started to learn more about artists working in this media so and, and because of course the world is becoming a much more digital place therefore so is the art world and, and artists and there's so many now and all working in different media like CGI, A AR, VR, um, 3D printing so I just really like the idea of tapping into this world of physicality and virtuality and that was kind of the idea so that, that ever since has kind of informed my choice and interest in artists that I work with um, so the current show, The Digital Diaspora, takes on the short circuit model of sending the artworks from one location through the internet to another, but it goes into more depth about each of the artists and, and the medium that they use. So in that show we've got uh, an internet based artwork, we've got a CGI film and an installation and then uh, we've also got video game aesthetics and all that kind of thing, so it's a real mixture of different things. Mm -hmm. So why Diaspora? So I was interested in the idea of diaspora because um, I was, well, first, firstly I was invited to do this project by Centrala, who obviously um, promote the work of Central and Eastern European artists, and, uh, but I also quite like the idea of a diaspora of artworks, and that kind of made sense because of my interest in the way things moved and migrated and travelled, and mm -hmm. so I thought that was quite an interesting combination, you know, could the artworks travel like people do like you know a cluster of uh, of a cluster of people a cluster of artwork a, you know a cluster of ideas all this kind of thing so that's kind of the idea of the the title um and it kind of really worked hand in hand so that show has basically invited we, we put out an open call to artists based in the UK um all from the central and eastern european diaspora and then we chose four artists and um they're from a real range of different places like poland uh, armenia um slovakia 
and uh, Hungary. And then we've also got a, a complementary um, art screening programme on top of that as well. So that an, an artist from also further afield than that. So a really interesting mix. Stockholm. Mm-hmm. You've got some connection to Stockholm as well, mm-hmm. don't you? Did you study there? Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. I studied there last year on a course called Curator Lab. So you decided to do another curator. So I did another one, Mm -hmm. So, um, which was a completely different experience and was a couple of years after the the Italy experience. Um, So you felt you needed some more... Some more experience, or why? Why did you decide to do it? No, not necessarily. Um, I think because there was a gap, a two-year gap. Yeah, I think it was a two-year gap between the time I spent in Venice on that program and the one in Sweden. Um, I think it was because in in that gap in between, I did the short circuit project, the initial one, which was the touring exhibition, and there were so many things that I picked up during that time that I thought I want to take that further. I want to, you know, I I refine my interests a lot more during that time mm-hmm. and so I had particular things that I wanted to delve further with um, but I was also really drawn to to studying abroad again um, I don't know there's something about me that just really wants to just keep going back out there and I'm, I'm quite passionate about not only going out there and, and learning about another culture but also bringing where where I'm based and 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 uh, bringing knowledge about where I'm from or where I practice you know, to the other location that I go to. So, you know, a lot of the time people say to me, or they'll, they'll say, oh, Ali's from London or whatever. Really. <laughs> and, and I don't normally correct people ever, but I do that time because I think it's quite important to to say, no, actually, I'm from Birmingham because yeah. otherwise... A bit of a local patriot. It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's... But A, it's... I'm, I'm, I'm proud of, of, the, of, of the city and, and the experience and the opportunities that it's given me. But also I think it's important to, you know, how, how is anyone ever going to know about a place if people don't talk about it mm-hmm. and if people don't show it? Because it is, um, it is a place that still has a lot of work to do in terms of promoting itself. And um, yeah, so, so yeah, I went to Sweden because I wanted a more international experience and I wanted to make it, you know, continue to develop my international profile and also make new networks and it was also an opportunity to do um, an exhibition or a programme or a project there as well. So it's a, a, another another context to work in basically. And isn't that right that in Sweden actually universities are free? Yes, uh, I think in, yeah, I think in all of them, yeah, yeah. So there was that as well. <laughs> so, no, it's a really good Well, it wasn't the only course, reason, but... Yeah. but um, but well, that's it's really obviously nice. an incentive because to study here is so expensive and and I think it kind of sets you apart doing something a bit different as well. Mm. I mean, it wasn't an MA, but it was um, it was over a period of a year. It used to be an MA course, actually. Mm. Um, but I like the nature of it as well, because I also was still working, I still was working my, my current job. And it, because of the nature of it, it was one of those programmes where you go and come back and then you do that several times throughout the year. So it meant that I could keep a job, right. which mm-hmm. was also really, really good, rather than having to do like a block of however many months. Mm-hmm. and then You yeah. didn't have any holiday. No, 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 no two years, because it was straddled over two academic years. Mm-hmm. So I had to take two years of annual leave to do it. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was quite, quite hardcore. So <laughs> but, what but is the art scene in Stockholm like? Um, I think I, I think it's pretty amazing actually. I think, considering it's not a massive city, uh, there's so much going on. There's something to cater for everybody. Um, there's a lot of 
artist run spaces and a lot of smaller spaces but there's also really amazing contemporary art galleries and on a much bigger scale but it's also nice because the uh, museums and galleries are scattered throughout the city for example tends to Constal, which is way far north um, there's loads of constals everywhere um, there's of course the supermarket art fair there's artist studios there's constfac which is where i studied on the curator lab program which is an amazing facility for artists um, people doing their phds yeah. did you get to explore other nordic countries yeah yeah which was mm -hmm. incredible actually so on the program so Cur i should probably talk a bit more about curator lab as well mm -hmm. so curator lab is the program that i did which is the, the curatorial program Mostly people, it's, it's mostly like an, a, a post-MA programme, so most people have got a lot of experience or have their own space or whatever. And again, it's an international programme, but mostly European. Um, and as part of that programme every year, they take the students away, um, or the residents away for a trip, an international trip for about a week and a half. And when we went, we went to Lofoten in Norway. I always oh. say it wrong. I think Lofoten. <laughs> uh, in northern Norway, which was absolutely amazing. And um, the reason we went there is because there was a biennial on. And it's one of the smallest biennials in the world. I think they only have like 5,000 visitors. But it's partly because it's so far away. Huh? And it's so far to get to. And quite expensive to get there. Because you have to take a ferry down the fjords. And wow. it's absolutely amazing. So, Is it somewhere close to Tromsø? Uh, I'm not sure. We flew, we had to fly to Oslo first and then to a place called Buda, with lots of slashes through the O's. <laughs> and, uh, and then from there take a ferry to Lofoten. So that was amazing. Uh, and what was incredible about that, I mean, it's a bit like the Venice Biennale. It's like the, the, the environment is already so incredible yeah. um, that the artwork is kind of not secondary but it's almost like it would be great anyway because it's so wow anyway um because you have these fjords and these this incredible landscape that you've never seen anything like and um but what was really great about this this uh, biennial is that all the um event spaces were in old fishermen's factories or yeah like fish drying factories or caviar factories and stuff or on the football pitch in a local school playing field and um, out and about so you kind of really engaged with the nature and the the ambience of the place um the actual theme that year i think it was science fiction and nature and how those two combine and, and looking at um alternative futures through the lens of science fiction this kind of thing so it worked really really well but i think that's quite a transient um biennial i think they choose a different location every time um, okay. But within Lofoten, but like mm -hmm. in a different village or town or something. Mm -hmm. So that was amazing. And then from there, we went to, we did a trip and we went to Kiruna and Lulio and Narvik, which basically bring you out from northern Norway across the border into northern Sweden. Mm -hmm. And then we came back down. So it was really interesting to kind of oh. get a really full understanding of. Of what it was like and we, we met Sami people um, who are the native people from um, Scandinavia and uh, we just saw a really well-rounded amazing mm. picture of the country and um, both the countries. Once you try to combine your kind of day job mm -hmm. with your curatorial practice mm -hmm. uh, how does it work is it is it how, how are you coping how are you coping <laughs> with marrying, marrying very those good two question. aspects? Um, hmm. I think 
I'm really used to doing it because I've always done it ever since I graduated I've always had a job like a, a full time or part time or pay some kind of well, you have to write or... because we need to yeah, pay our bills exactly exactly hmm. so I'm sure most people can relate to this but I think but I've always also had a project or something going on and then I think I've just got used to, to hmm. doing that and it's probably a negative thing but I kind of get a bit if I don't have something else other than work even if I absolutely love what I do which I yeah. do um, I, I still feel a bit twitchy like life like is I not full enough yeah almost you <laughs> I know? the same it's, 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 a, it's a really probably quite a bad habit um, but I, li- I like to always I think, it's, I think it's healthy to have something else that interests you and something else that's not related to what you do every day that takes your mind elsewhere that, that gives you a reason to meet other people and go to other places and learn different things I've just got a very curious personality I'm always hungry to kind of know more but I, I think I think I cope with it quite well but I think I'm learning now to pace things a lot better rather than you know have this mad flurry of, of projects and I think that's something I learned through Strix because when we were when we set up the space we accidentally we never really done that before we never really programmed anything before so we accidentally put you know exhibitions and events back to back like three things a month or an exhibition a month or which is absolutely crazy in terms of practicality when you don't work there full time as well so I think that taught me a really valuable lesson to try and like pace things like do things well and do do less things but do things well so I think that's kind of my my mantra for things mm-hmm. at the moment but I do other things as well within the curatorial uh practice so I also mentor on the near now a fellowship program in Nottingham, which is um, which supports digital artists, um, and yeah, various other projects and things in the pipeline. So, oh yeah. wow! So tell tell <laughs> smaller me. projects. So so with Near Now, um, I've been doing some mentoring because um, they take on two fellowships or fellows a year uh, for their program in Nottingham, which is really well esteemed for what for what they do, which is amazing. Um, and then. I'm also kind of getting involved with the programming side of that a little bit as well. So next month we're working with a really amazing initiative, women's initiative called Women Reclaiming AI for Activism, oh. uh, where they basically um, hack and, well, they recode uh, AI devices with women's voices and they, they workshop it basically. So they kind of, the end result is that you have this AI that kind of speaks more truly about what a woman actually would say. It's less biddable. It's kind of like, you know, if you ask it to do something, it might go, mm, not now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, mm, not so really. So you're talking about now. devices like Google Home. Yeah, or, or uh, like Amazon Alexa mm-hmm. or Cortana, all these kind of things, which is another thing that really interests me and is something that is kind of guiding my particular research interests at the moment um, is domesticity and AI and how AI is reshaping um, the homes that we live in and the, and the relationships that we have with each other and, and you know it's not just technology but how is that impacting on yeah, the people that live within the four walls so that's something I'm, I'm looking at developing further mm. yeah. So going back to your kind of busy schedule, mm. what motivates you? What gets you out of bed every morning <laughs> um, I think I'm just really lucky that I really enjoy my job and my curating practice um, it's simply that probably it's kind of having a an enjoyment out of something that, that I do um, I'm not really not just saying that I just feel very fortunate that I 
I enjoy the projects that I do. Um, I, I love working in buildings that we have restored that we're bringing integrity back to a, an empty space or um, a derelict building that has fi- finally got a new purpose and a new life and it's usually we do it in, in areas of the city that um, are, are formerly overlooked or no one really bothers with anymore or, you know kind of downtrodden or nothing's going on we're trying to sort of reinvigorate those areas and bring new and exciting projects and people to the, those spaces so that's probably something but also I think working with art every day, working around all the artworks in the collection. The fact that every single day is different, you know, within this job I have with Javelin Block, it's, um, it's sometimes I'll be covered in pigeon shit on a, on a building site. Uh, other times I'll be, yeah, I'll be on the phone to Lehman Moppin uh, or, you know, Big Gallery or something, you know, doing something very completely different. So it's, it's kind of these two extremes. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, then I'll be, you know, in the evening probably coming over and doing this with you or um, Skyping an artist in Sweden uh, about the project, uh, the exhibition or coming up with ideas for the next project or, you know, various different things. I think it's, it's probably the variety of it. It's never, it's never boring. So there's always something to wake up for and something to be excited by. Mm-hmm. And how does your normal day look like? I don't think I can really offer that as an option because it's it's just not there's never the same. There's never a it's not really nice. I have a regularity in my my working hours with with my with my day job, but other than that, there's no there's no continuity. It's always really different. So at the moment, though, I mean, I'm I'm working on um, an interiors scheme so I've developed an interior scheme for my work with Javelin Block on a new project um, which is so you do actually designing as well I've just started to yeah wow. yeah so I've kind of graduated I guess in my job um, I started doing project uh, coordination there kind of just managing the sites and you know getting to grips with them understanding learning so much about buildings I, I don't have any formal training in that at all um, I'm just really lucky that, that my boss is is willing to kind of give me that opportunity but I think it's partly because he hasn't had that formal training he's not an architect either so um, something about having the eye and the creativity and the vision that kind of supersedes that sometimes or you know we work with architects of course and everybody else but um, so yeah so I'm, I'm now I've started to do more of the interior side of stuff so we've got this new project which is amazing it's uh, we're restoring a hundred year old foundry in the jewelry quarter into some new apartments oh, wow. to sort of reinvigorate this building that has just been completely left derelict uh, and I'm, I'm developing the interior scheme for that so and the kind of the the curatorial stuff comes in again because you're still putting objects you're still populating a space with objects you've still got to consider lighting you've still got to consider the overall concept and yeah. and the the end result and 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 also the audience or the whoever's going to live in it afterwards so what excites you in Birmingham why what keeps you here it's a good question. Um, I go through waves of Birmingham. I, I, I'm really, really grateful to it for the opportunities it's given me that I might not have had elsewhere, like, you know, going to London. I wouldn't have been able to set up Strix necessarily on such a low rent um, or have all that space to test things out and try new things or maybe have a job like the one I have currently. Um, so I think it's, I think it's the opportunity is here if you look for it or if you you know where to look for it or you know that that's something that excites me and and keeps me here but sometimes I get quite frustrated with it because I sometimes feel like it's not come on as much as I thought it would 
by now, having been here for quite a number of years on and off, you know, because I studied here, I started studying in 2009, so I've already been here nearly 10 years, despite having gone away and come back again. And it just feels like lots of very exciting things happening, great art scene, you know, um, there's, there's so many amazing people here and talented individuals, but I just feel like we need to shout about it more. I don't think it shouts about itself nearly enough as, say, Liverpool or Manchester mm. or um, Leeds or all these kinds of things. I feel like there's so much more we can we can talk about and so much more to be proud of. And, and also you are based, while your job is based in Jewelry Quarter, mm-hmm. you are restoring these amazing buildings, mm-hmm. so I suppose you also take part in this transformation. And yeah. Yeah. You not only witness it, but yeah. actually creating this uh, trans- transformation of the district. Mm. What do you think about that? Well, actually, Jewelry Quarter, do you, do you feel like it's it's going into the right direction? Yeah, no, absolutely. There's there's parts of it that I really think are. Um, no, I, I'll, I'll always stand up for the city. I absolutely love it. It's, it's treated me extremely well, and I have an, an incredible experience and, and a really positive time here. But... Um, yeah, I think the I think the jewelry quarter is, is 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 coming along really well. I mean that that's probably the biggest one of the biggest transformations of the city in the shortest space of time. In the last seven years, I think that has come up tremendously. It's just there's areas where you think it's just there's so much more work to be done. I think it just it feels like it's quite disparate. There's parts of it that that feel really disconnected, even though they're right next mm-hmm. to each other. Parts of Digbeth, you know, streets apart, you know they still have no linkage to each other or a reason to go to yeah so it it, there's that sort it's that sort of thing and the transportation is very tricky there's so much potential i just think there's a a long way to go Mm -hmm. yeah basically and if you could give uh, some sort of advice to people that would like to start a career maybe with a collection or Mm -hmm. as an independent uh, curator or in a renovation of buildings. How, how do you? How <laughs> in do all you of those things, I, I don't know. I think probably the best thing to do is just start doing and making, physically having, real life experience. Um, I think, having done Strix, having started Strix, for example, making mistakes, taking risks and actually physically learning how to put these things together is probably the best thing that you can do. Um, you know, I, as I said, I have no formal training. I'm not an architect. Um, I, I'm not a designer. Um, but being in it every single day, living and breathing it, you, you being thrown in at the deep end, you, you learn so much. I learn probably a hundred things every day. And that's what, you know, rather than sitting behind a desk, of course there's times where you have to do that, but I think, physically putting things into practice are the things that make you you learn the most okay yeah i think that's it thank you <laughs> okay thank you very much thank you so much for Pleasure. for being my guest